You've tuned into Omega Church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. Down and read in one or two sittings, you get a panorama or a wider picture of what the book of Acts is all about. So we want you to grab, we want you to catch up with the heart of Luke. Why did Luke take pains to systematically write about the first church? Then? Um, so we want you to benefit from it because that is going to lay a foundation. I always tell you one thing. In my life, how does the Holy Spirit give me revelation? When I read the word and study it and store it in my heart, and someday he will take that as an opportunity and give me a revelation about it because I have hidden that word in my heart. He throws light upon it, makes it more meaningful, more powerful. Sometimes it takes 20 years before he speaks. But because I did it 20 years ago, he has something to work with. The Holy Spirit needs that wood. What you are doing when you read the Bible is you are creating that altar. And whenever he decides, he will light it up will go up in flames. Cool? So we are studying the book of Acts. <clears throat> we are a bit little slow, but I'll try to cover a little more ground today. So we are going to do from verse 9 onwards. After he said this, he was taken up before the very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, what did he say? Because it says he said, after he said this, that's verse 8. He talked about um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. The two key words, power and witness. If you have power, nobody will stop you from witnessing. If you're not witnessing, I will doubt you have power. It's very simple. Whoever has tasted the power of the Holy Spirit you can't stop them from talking about it. You can't. It's just not possible. Because they'll be bubbling with that joy, bubbling with that energy all the time. So after saying all this, and he said about, uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I said this word is the key word in the book of uh, Acts because that is how Luke has designed the rest of the book to flow how they were reaching out with the gospel of Christ in Jerusalem, the place where Jesus was crucified, where he has to be honored, his name has to be exalted, people have to be saved. And also, this is also the place when the Holy Spirit has chosen and he built a culture into their uh, culture of festivals. So we are going to see next chapter, I mean, chapter two, how on the day of Pentecost, people from all over the world came, all the Jewish people came from every nation, every tongue, they came. And God used that as a trigger to pour out his spirit upon all the people and the gospel to go to all the nations in one go. That's God's plan, God's strategy. But it begins in Jerusalem. And then it goes to, it has to go to Judea. Did Jesus himself do it? He did. He was basically raised in Nazareth, not Jerusalem. But he came to Jerusalem. 
and then he was witnessing them preaching healing upsetting the religious leaders and then because of the his claims that he is a son of god they wanted to crucify him and they did crucify him well, and then he went to judea he went from village to village sometimes they would say well, let's go to the next next place people would say no stay here no no i had to go so he moved from village to village in judea then he went to samaria did you remember that in john chapter 4 he goes to the lady and uh, speaks to the woman at the well and he went to samaria and stayed there for two more days on their request so he went to samaria did he go to the uttermost parts he did he went to tyre and sidon you know that he healed a little girl who was demon possessed and a mother comes to him and says please have mercy on me so in his own little lifetime he did demonstrate that principle of jerusalem judea samaria uttermost part he did demonstrate it but the, the disciples themselves they went as far as rome and spain then known world they reached with the gospel of christ so that's the center now after having said all these things what is he after he said this he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight now what what we are trying to do in the book of acts is the key experience of the apostles the key experience of the first disciples we are trying to capture it why that is a foundation for their life it is a foundation for their death jesus appeared to them giving them convincing proofs over 40 days why that is going to trigger the faith in their heart and that's what is going to lay down them it is going to inspire them to lay their life down for this gospel that's the reason why he took time 40 days to convince them and he demonstrated what kind of body he had that was able to come disappear disappear walls doors not a problem he was able to eat food with them and it was not just non material body he said come check touch and feel it was, it had materiality but it was not having the limitations of materiality so all those things he demonstrated to them to show them what kind this is when you know jesus that gives you hope that one day you are going to be like him you are going to share in that kind of same body and now he wants them to know beyond all doubt that he did ascend to the father so what does he do he takes them along takes them for a walk to bethany near bethany or mount, mount olivet it's just about a mile uh, 7/8 of a mile or 1.2 kilometers that is uh, on a sabbath day journey on sabbath the jewish people don't walk too far so the limitation is less than a mile 7/8 of a mile or 1.2 kilometers so it's very very close to jerusalem so he takes them out and he stretches out his hands and he was blessing them as he was blessing them slowly he was levitating up into the air and as they kept watching he was going up and up and after a while a cloud hid him from their sight and they kept watching where did he go where did he go and then two men in shining clothes appear next to them hey men of galilee why are you staring into the air as if no the same jesus in the same way you see him go he will come back 
the key word is in the same way in which you see him go will come back so what is he, what is the thing that uh, what what is he trying to do here is <clears throat> you know when when you read about accidents and when you read about something that happens and you don't know whether they died they did not die they are alive some things you know they are kept in silence when uh, when you read news particularly you know something like uh, MH17 or what is that flight that from Malaysia flight that got disappeared off the radar. So the people who died or the relatives, relatives of the people who were in that flight, they want to have a closure. They want to hear from the authorities that they are dead. You declare something or find them where they are, you know. So they want a closure. So every time you see these cases of um, uh, anything that happens violently and injustice happens, people want a closure. They want to just say the story is over, you know. So Jesus Christ is giving them a closure, but not mysterious one. One that is very clear. One they can see with their eyes. One they can experience. So now he takes them out for a walk, and as he was blessing them, he was being taken up. So it's a closure. Why do I say that is a closure? Think about Elijah, what happened to Elijah. When Elijah was taken up, the disciples or the, uh, the prophets who belong to the school of prophets, they came to Elisha because they saw that the, that um, mantle that was on Elijah has, is resting on Elisha. And they make him their new master. And they say, allow us to go and search for your master. Why they have to search for the master? When the chariots of fire came and took him up, they wanted to make sure that the that supernatural phenomena that they saw did not leave him on another mountainside or another place. So they said, oh, we'll go and search for him. We'll go and search for him. But here, Jesus Christ is exactly doing the same thing or different thing, I would say. There's no chariot of fire. He doesn't need a chariot of fire. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is God. And he just doesn't need even a cloud. Does he need a cloud? No, he doesn't need a cloud. This is for us. The cloud is for us so that it will mean something to you. The whole thing, his life has come to an end. That is, his earthly existence has come to an end and his heavenly existence begins. To, to mark that event, that earthly existence has come to an end, and a heavenly existence is beginning, he has made it clear to them by blessing them and being taken up before them and a cloud hides them. Now the next thing I want you to focus upon is the word cloud. <coughs> Everybody say cloud. Now why are clouds important? In the Bible you see Mo uh, Moses went up the mountain and the cloud was up on the mountain. And he was in the cloud for 40 days, 40 nights. And he came down with two pieces of stone on which were written the Ten Commandments. So that, <clears throat> every time you see this cloud thing on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was with only three of the disciples. But before them, he was transfigured. And a cloud came and covered them. And when the cloud covered them, they heard the words, this is my son. Listen to him. Obey him. 
Now think about Mo Moses on the mountain coming down the Ten Commandments and it's impacted the whole world today. There's no nation that does not know Ten Commandments. If there is no police station, no court of law in any nation, there are no Ten Commandments in that nation. But if you have a police station and you've got a court of law, that means they are following the Ten Commandments. They know. Otherwise, there's no, what is the basis of judging anyone? Why do you put somebody in jail? Because they transgress. How do you know they transgress? You need a law to say that. The Ten Commandments has impacted the world. But now, Jesus, when he took the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, what he was trying to say is, this is not the law that you need. Ultimately, what you need is me. I am the personification of the nature of God. I am the personification of the morality of God. I am the personification of right and wrong. All that you need is to listen to me and obey me. The Ten Commandments are one side. And if you are a believer, you are a, you are a disciple, you don't need to say, oh, it says it is 50 kilometers, so I have to go at 50 kilometers while driving. You don't need the boat to tell you. You have to look at the thing, because the board says I have to go at 50. You will go at 50. That's what I'm trying to say here. Is in the spiritual, when you begin to hear the voice of Jesus and obey him, you don't need a sign. You don't need something, somebody to say something to you. You will follow the moral law from inside. You will have that compass inside that will show you which is the true north, what is right, what is wrong. This is walking in the spirit. This is walking in the spirit. You need to be in the cloud to have that experience. But the question is, how can you be in the cloud now? Can you be in the cloud now? How do we do it? By faith, true. But more than that, we have the Holy Spirit who speaks? I tell you what, the still small voice that prophet Isaiah talks about is everybody's inheritance. It's your right to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It is your right to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Uh, last time I mentioned somebody gave us a feedback. You are saying you have to hear the voice, but you don't teach us how to hear. <laughs> it's, it, it is a session by itself, you know, how to hear the voice is a different session by itself. I have spoken about it in the, in the past, but if any of you are interested, talk to me. I want to hear the voice of God. Five, ten minutes, I'll explain to you. Why do I make that as a condition you talk to me? Because I am not having that on my plan to now, to teach it. But if you are hungry, I'll give my time. If you are hungry, I'll give you my time. You can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I have lived without hearing the voice 30, 35 years as a Christian. That was my loss. I did a lot of preaching, teaching. We have trained the pastors. I have done everything possible. Every topic I have spoken. Even though I did not go to any theological seminary, I have done a lot of preaching and teaching. But I did not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Until in 2010, one evening, when I knelt down to pray, he spoke. And he has been speaking several times that way. So now I can distinguish his voice. So what you need is a hunger and you have to set aside time. Sometimes you may pray for one hour and not hear his voice. But don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Pursue it. You will hear. 
don't make a decision without hearing his voice. There's no issue that is concerning you in which Holy Spirit is not interested. You want to buy a house? Ask him, do you want me to buy this house? You want to buy a car? Ask him, do you want me to buy this car? You want to marry somebody? Ask, is this the right person? Or you want to do business? Is this the right business? Or is this the right place where to invest my money? There's no area that in which you are interested and the Holy Spirit says, do whatever you like, I don't care. He doesn't say that. He wants to take your hand and guide you. And you have to hear his voice before you make that first move and say, can I take you for a coffee? You need to hear the voice. You need to hear the voice. And he is interested in helping you hear his voice. He wants to speak to you. But if you are not wanting to hear, he's not going to speak. It's as simple as that. I tell you how I lived my life, very briefly. There was a time when I had to make a decision in the month of December. I will say, God, I will wait until the uh, November, 30th of November. But if I don't hear from you, I'm going to do so and so thing. So what am I telling God? I already decided what I want to do. So if you have decided what you want to do, he is not going to speak. It is a desiring Holy Spirit. It's an insult to the Holy Spirit to tell him, I know what to do. And when you say, I know what to do, he will say, get lost. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. What, what he says is, okay, choose your way and you'll experience the consequences. That's what he means. Because you want to choose your way, you'll also experience your consequences. But if you say, unless you speak to me, I am not going to do anything, then he'll say, ah, oh, you really want to know my voice, my son, my daughter, I'm going to guide you. I will speak to you. His, his voice comes to the desperate. Those who are desperate to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Cool. So the, when I talk about the cloud, I'm not talking about negative experiences. Oh, he is going through a cloud, meaning going through a sad time or depression. Or No, I'm not talking about that. This is a time of encountering the voice of God, the Father. It's an encounter of revelation. When you stand in the cloud, you will have revelation. The purpose of cloud is to give you a revelation. Even you go through difficult time, when you stand still and say, God, I need to hear your voice in this cloud, you'll hear the voice. There was a time I used to teach about God. You want to define God. How do you define God? I would say he's infinite and personal. Infinite in all his attributes. And he, and he also has a personality. He's a person. And you know, this is the... If any, some of you are aware of Francis Schaeffer, in his books, he talks about infinite personal God. And I was so much carried away by Schaeffer's theology. And I used to say, this is how you have to describe God. But until I had that experience of hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, then now I have changed my definition of God. He is infinite, personal, but one who speaks. You take away the word one who speaks, you got a God who is unknown, who cannot be known. You have a God who cannot be experienced. And the Bible is not representing that God. 
is from the garden of eden god always spoke he always spoke and he is a god who speaks you can't see his glory you can't see a lightning you can't do the thunder and all those things none of those things are all those things are missing still that voice you cannot miss i encourage you to hear his voice and then we see here one of the other things is hearing the voice jesus is i mean father god said this is my beloved son listen to him you have got his words recorded in the gospels so one time what i did was i took the bible which had red letter bible you know the words of jesus in red every word spoken by jesus is in red i took that bible and read through all the things that are in the red i'm not bothered about what's in the black here i just want to read what's in the red they are the words of jesus do you want to encounter jesus do that once and see one gospel at a time one week choose matthew go through all the red letter next week mark luke john there are very few things somewhere in, in the book of acts you will find in the red the words of jesus spoken to saul or in the corinthians when you are having the communion this is my body broken for you and again you will see some words in red in the book of revelation there's very few words but if you want to encounter jesus his own heart his own mind that's the way to go read the bible that's in the red that's just one more that's one of the other ways i'm not saying the only way one of the ways so the cloud is supposed to be an experience of clarity and revelation not confusion is not for confusion cloud is meant to give you revelation not confusion not fear and one of the other things that is most interesting things is when he blessed them in their sight he was taken up and mark says he went up and sat by the right hand of god how did he know how did mark know he was not even a disciple he was a disciple of peter basically so he must have heard things from peter and he puts those things there but i before i mentioned this revelation that he went up and sat by the right hand of the father was given to the church by one man's death stephen when he was being stoned he looked up and see he said i see the son of god standing by the right hand of the father every revelation has to come through the blood there is a sacrifice it's not easy so some people may think it's so easy to get revelation well go with it but as far i am concerned it requires discipline it requires standing in the presence of god sometimes silently there's no there's no reason why moses was on the mountain for 40 days if it is going to be so easy he could have everything could have been done in a day for moses and could have come down so that these people would not have sinned making a calf but there is a process for everything and then when he went up his earthly existence came to an end and his heavenly existence began and the other important thing is when he became man partaken in our flesh and blood 
and he rose again. That body was something that you can touch, you can feel. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father with that glorified body, taking the humanity, this dust and, you know, the flesh that's made out of dust, it got eternal value by in the Son of God when he ascended to the Father. The humanity, the flesh and blood, which has been transformed by death, burial, resurrection, that is taken to the right hand side of the Father. You know, this is something great for me. I don't know whether it is for you or not. But for me, it affirms the humanity and gives you value. You are valuable. Why you are valuable? Because Jesus became, took the same form like you and me. It's valuable because he gave it a new life by his death, burial, resurrection and ascension. That humanity he carried to the right hand of the Father. See, all the religions, they, confuse, they get confused here. You think about a big mass of people, 1.4 billion people in India. They think there's no distinction between God and the creation. That's the reason why they worship animals and worship trees and worship everything. This, why? Because God is in everything. God is not in everything. God is everywhere, but not in everything. But at the same time, what is a human life? For them, they think God comes in human form to save the mankind, goes back without fixing the problem or completely doesn't fix the problem completely. He has to come back again. And they think they have, he has come down 10 times. But I'm telling you, Jesus came once and he finished the problem. He doesn't need to come again, doesn't need to die again, doesn't need to rise again. Once for all, he put an end to sin and death and defeated Satan. That's something great. Amazingly great. Why the gospel is powerful is for the same reason. I was just thinking about the other day, about this. I was listening to some guy, he says, why when you pray, you don't get results? He says, there are ranks in the spiritual realm. I said, are there ranks? I was just confused. Because somebody prays for a blind man and he sees, but some uh, 10 other people can pray for a blind man, he may not see. This, he said, that's because you do, have not achieved the rank in the spiritual realm. I said, is this something about me? If something about me, you are putting it on completely on man, completely on man. But I said, in the book of Acts, see, this is why I told you, you must read the book of Acts in one sitting. I read through the book of Acts. Nowhere you see there are ranks. There are nowhere you see there are ranks. It, all it says is, because he's seated by the right hand of the Father, he asked the Father and poured the Holy Spirit upon the church on the day of Pentecost. And signs, wonders, and miracles were done, attesting the gospel being preached. Who does the miracles? God. It's Jesus. So it has nothing to do with my attaining a rank in the spiritual realm. It's he doing it. At the same time, it's something to do with me being rightly aligned, connected with this Jesus. When you honor him, when you acknowledge him, miracles happen. Cool. Now the next word that we need to focus on is the same way. Where do you see the same way he's going to come back? It's in, uh, I think it's in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. When uh, verse 30, it says, I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. 
and he came up to the ancient of days and he was presented before him i tried to look where else it says that he is going to come back in the clouds because it doesn't say anywhere else in the gospels or anywhere in the epistles we don't see it but in his own words jesus says it in matthew 24 luke 9 you will see son of god come on the clouds it is he himself says it jesus himself says it he's going to the same way you see him taken up the same way he's going to come but additionally it's going to be a universal phenomena it's not a local event when he comes it's going to be like a lightning flashing from the east to west it is not something going to be a private experience of jerusalemites people who live in jerusalem the rest of the world will be blind i don't think so it's going to be a universal phenomena it's going to be powerful phenomena can it happen in 2024 maybe <laughs> last night i was thinking about it God told me that some something is going to happen in 2024 but I was just thinking what is it going to happen and suddenly I read something in Matthew 24 and it clicked in my heart is this not the same thing that I saw few months ago 2024 people are going to have be fearful they're going to run for shelter all those things I are in the I saw them what I saw in the vision I saw in Matthew 24 when the son of man comes back i said god don't tell me you told me and i missed it don't tell me that you already have told me i have missed it are you going to come in 2024 i had to spend some time in prayer i have not heard anything yet but i leave it as a open thing to meditate and pray and seek his face if it happens i will not be surprised because so many things are happening so quickly so many things are happening so quickly Have you been reading the news about sun changing its poles? North pole will become south pole and south will become north. Well, it's there in the news. And it's going to impact us in some way. But nothing to worry because it happens every 11 years. That means it must have happened hundreds of times by now. But the earth is still there. So it may not be <laughs> totally destroying us or anything. But they expect that communication, satellite communication will be down. your telephone may not work your mobile may not work your internet may not work let's see and i last night again checked how or when is it going to happen they said no we don't know when it's going to happen we know it will happen in 24 but we don't know when it's going to happen that's where science stands cool now one other thing that you need to see is that when he was taken up they were keep looking there and what happened there are two men in shining clothes so it says two men but they are actually angels because their shining clothes is what distinguishes them from men and the two men so why angels here now his birth was foretold his conception was foretold by an angel gabriel to mary and when he was born the angels appeared to the shepherds and announced a savior is born today in bethlehem go and see him and when the herod wanted to uh, attack or kill uh, baby jesus and uh, it was the angels who warned joseph to flee to egypt and then come back every every ma- major events have been done angels were always there and now when he when they buried him and he rose again and this mary of magdalene comes and he wanted to look, she, when she came she found that stone already rolled away so she wanted to look in just peep through the put her head into the inside and what did she see two angels in the 
tomb inside, one at the head and one at the feet. And another time, he says, why are you looking for the one who is living among the dead? And Matthew says, the angels came, rolled away the stone and sat on them. So all the cataclysmic or life-changing or whatever is important was happening in life of Jesus, angels were always present. Should they not be present when he was being taken up? They were there. Announcing not only he is being taken up now, but he will also giving a hope to them that he's going to come back. And when they hear those words that he's going to come back, that gave them a sense of mission. They gave them a sense of purpose. And they worshipped Jesus, as we read in the morning. They worshipped him, non-material, non-physical Jesus, they worshipped for the first time. And they were joyful. Because there should be gloom. When Jesus is not there among them, there should be gloom, there should be hopelessness, there should be depression and all kinds of things. No, this is how he planned so that they will be joyful. They will be joyful. So that's really great. And when the ascension, when they witness the ascension of Jesus, they have departed from them with a sense of victory, not defeat. They left with a sense of victory, not defeat. So these are all the benefits of meditation of the word of God. As I was studying and thinking, you know, the flashes will come in my mind. Oh, oh, and then I keep writing those things. So there is so much of benefit in studying the word and you will be built up. Your faith will grow. So Luke 24 says, so when he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Cool. Now what I would like to do is, I want to finish this chapter in a very brief way because I don't want to go on dragging it for too long. The next thing that you see here is a list of disciples in verses 12 onwards. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Though present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judah, son of James. Now, this list is same as the list that Luke provides in his gospel in chapter 6. That means it has not changed, except that you don't have Judas Iscariot here because he already has died. And then what happens is, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So that's the end portion of the thing that I read, sorry. So you see here, among all the disciples, list of 11 of them, you only see that are marked in red. Peter, John, James, Philip, you read about them in the book of Acts. Rest of the disciples, you hear nothing about them in the book of Acts. And then you see here Mary being mentioned, the mother of Jesus, mentioned for the last time. That simply means they respected her, but they didn't make her a deity, which the Catholic Church successfully did after that. She was not aware that she will be one day worshipped. 
she was not aware that one day people will think she's going to mediate between God and man. All those things are false doctrines. And this is the last time you'll see here about Mary and respectfully mentioned. And she was having the same hope like the disciples. She was waiting for the Holy Spirit like the disciples. And she received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And the brothers were skeptical about Jesus are present here now. And you will see that he appeared to James. Elsewhere Paul talks about he appears to James. So James who was skeptical and uh, probably atheistic, questioning Jesus, his half-brother, and now becomes a believer and is now joining the disciples. And maybe Jude or his sisters or others also must have been there. The point is, the, that expectation, the people who had expectation gathered together. But what did they do? One of the things they did is that they had... Uh, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. The next 10 days, they were praying. Elsewhere it says, they met in the temple precincts. Temple premises. They met in the temple premises. But here it says in, uh, in a room where they, they gathered before, in the same place. So that place is difficult to determine now. But some people think it could be John Mark's parents' house. It could be that one in Jerusalem. Because most of the disciples, they are from Galilee, not from Jerusalem. So they don't have their home here. They had to borrow someone else's house. Or it could be the place in the upper room where they had last communion. That could be the place. But different things they talk about it. But it is not really going to change anything that we uh, believe. Um, it's not going to make an impact on any major doctrines. It's not important. Now, what Peter does is, He's been reading the books, the Old Testament probably, and he must have read something in the, in the Psalms, Psalm 69, Psalm 109, and uh, there it says, may the one be cursed, I'll just read it here, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, may another take his place of leadership. There are two different Psalms, they're not one place, they're two different, 69, 109. So Peter says, oh, brothers and sisters, I found something in the Bible. Because Judas has deserted us, and now he's no more, let someone else take his place. So they put some conditions. Someone who has seen the ministry of Jesus from the time of John's baptism until the resurrection and ascension, who have been witnesses, let's select them. So they found two people. One is um, Joseph called Basavas, also known as Justus and Matthias. Our Matthias is from there. <laughs> so, what do we know about these two people later on in the book of Acts? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You don't hear about these two people, anything at all. But Papias, who was a disciple of John, the apostle, he talks about Joseph called Barsabbas. And he says that when he was given snake venom, he drank it and he did not die. But he was not selected. When they cast the lots, he was not selected. Who was selected? Matthias was selected. But do we hear about Matthias anywhere? No way, we have no history of it. Not much. But what am I coming to is, what did they do? The process they followed was they cast lots. 
which was sanctioned in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, how did they make decisions? They had something called Urim, U-R-I-M, Urim and Tamim. It's something, the two things that the high priest used to have on his, on his uh, part of his dressing actually, attire. And he used to use, he, only he knew how to use it. How do we know that? During the time of David, he says, uh, they wanted to determine the will of God. But they did not know anybody who knows how to use it. They had to wait for someone who knew how to use it. So anyway, it is something like casting lots. So what they did was, they put these two names and cast lots and it fell on Matthias. This is the last time the church has done this method of choosing somebody by lots. Why? The Holy Spirit will not yet come. You don't need to cast lots once the Holy Spirit comes because he will speak. He will guide. He will speak and he will guide. So what we need today in the church is that guidance of the Holy Spirit. Sometime back I read the story of uh, YWAM, I think, YWAM. And uh, the founder, one of the main founders, um, he wrote a book about it. And in that he says, usually they have major decisions done only when they have uh, annual conference and they spend time in prayer until the revelation comes to two or three people and if it is in line, if they all agree and then they make a decision to do it. Like they want to buy a ship for the ministry purpose. So they pray and then they hear somebody prophesies, somebody I saw the vision and someone else says, oh, I hear this and it's all lining up. Then they went and bought the ship some other decision. There was no such thing happening. So they, they did not do the decision. Like they didn't decide to do, go forward with the decision. I somehow feel a day will come. A day will come when Omega also will have that kind of experience. All the church will make decision together. Until then, somebody will make decision sometimes. So don't worry about it. We are not, un, I mean, uh, uh, we are still prayerful, we are still wanting to do the purposes of God, but at the same time we are open to this experience of corporate guidance. All of us being guided to do things. You know, it is great. It will be wonderful. When the Holy Spirit speaks and guides all of us, it's going to be wonderful. So that's the last time you see these people making that kind of a decision. But what about our personal life? How do we make decisions? As I already said, Holy Spirit has to speak and he wants to speak. And you have to learn to listen to his voice. And when you begin to learn to listen to his voice, it may happen in a day, it may happen in six months, it may take six years like, as it took six years. My, I used to talk to my friend and he said, oh, the Lord is saying this. I said, how do you hear? You know, I used to have this kind of a dialogue all the time. He says, you are also hearing, but you are not distinguishing. I said, don't tell me that. I am hearing and missing it. <laughs> but I tell you what, he does speak. But we have to sit down, calm the mind. First, basically, when you allow your mind to work, you cannot hear his voice. Calm down. Rule number one is find a quiet place. Calm down your emotions. That's very important. Thirdly, fix your eyes on Jesus and worship him, praise him, and say, Holy Ghost, I need you to speak. This is the question that I have, I need you to answer. 
another time i'll elaborate on it but <laughs> the time is running out so now let's call chapter 1 over for now so cool so there the 12 were there but one more point i want to add here is the decision they made of including matthias as the 12th apostle is it right or wrong how many of you think it's right i don't think anybody raising the hand oh one hand i see how many of you think it is wrong oh there to one more two three huh the decision of picking matthias by lots not by the power of the holy spirit or voice of the holy spirit was it right or wrong did peter do right by saying oh brothers we should have one more person representing us we are lacking the team the team has to be complete let's choose one more person was it Peter, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. The point I'm trying to make here is many of the people, pastors and theologians, they think that Paul is a 12th person that the Holy Spirit had in mind. Paul. So even though he's not there at that time, he was not even a Christian at that time, but Peter was in a hurry to fill the team. could be right could be wrong but one thing i can tell you is that the bible itself is silent on the decision doesn't say they have done right or wrong it doesn't say anything about it so there will there will be times when you will not hear anything from god but what is right about peter did is he stuck to the scriptures he said scripture says this scripture says this so we need to do it so when you go that way when you base your decisions on the scripture i would say you will not be wrong at the same time post pentecost you have to have scriptures plus the holy spirit the voice of the holy spirit that decision will be 100% right there is no fruit here there is no fruit so the point i'm trying to make is the scriptures have not become irrelevant because the holy spirit has come See many people make a mistake you don't need bible anymore you regard the holy spirit regard the holy spirit no how you know and how to avoid mistake is you need to st- stick to the scriptures and ratified by the voice of the holy spirit i tell you you will not go wrong if you make that as a guideline you will not go wrong shall we bow our heads in prayer thank you jesus We praise you, we worship you, we honor you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for you are so good. You are so good. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you because you are alive. We worship you because you have given us a sense of victory by your ascension to the right hand of the Father. And now you have given us, O oh God, Father, the Holy Spirit by pouring out, by asking the Father. We praise you, we thank you. Your wisdom is greater than our wisdom. My Lord, your plans are higher than our plans. And I praise you, Lord, for you are so great and awesome. And you are glorious. You are God the Father. And we thank you, Jesus. The disciples had to make a shift in their mind of worshipping Yahweh to worshipping Jesus. Because they knew that you are Yahweh. And they worshipped you. And I pray that the revelation will come to us. That you are God and you are the Saviour. 
and help us to worship you and live for you and proclaim you, my Lord, even to the point of laying down our life, prepare our hearts so that we may live for the gospel to the glory of your name. Touch our spirit, touch our heart, touch our mind, touch our bodies to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.